0: Hi, this is Heather R. Younger, author of The Art of Active Listening, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Healin.
1: Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. As always, thrilled and excited that you chose to spend some of your hard-earned time with me today. And as you heard from the introduction, I have the one and only Heather R. Younger with me. Heather, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you. It's Tuesday.
1: That's right. That's right. (laughs) It doesn't get much better, right? It doesn't. This is the best Tuesday of this week. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, folks, as you heard Heather say in the introduction, she is an author and she has written several books. She has one that she just talked about, The Art of Active Listening, which we're going to get into more in just a little bit. The Art of Creative Leadership. Now, Heather, there's another one. Why is that escaping my mind? Help us out So, it, with that. so
0: it's The Art of Caring
1: Leadership. The Art of Caring Leadership. Yes.
0: And then The, um, uh, the Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty.
1: Mm, love that. <laughs> Heather is a... Is it okay to say former attorney? Is it yes. okay to say that? Okay, gotcha. Former attorney. She is a 2 times TEDx speaker, which you guys know is near and dear to my heart. I love that. I love having TEDx speakers on here because it is such a stretching thing to do that. But she has two other titles that I suspect are the ones she's most proud of, and that's wife and mom.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I'm working on just getting stronger on the faith side, but my family is right smack dab in the middle of all the things. So
1: mm-hmm. I got that. I got that. All right. Well, help us out here a little bit, Heather. We know just a little bit about you, but go tell us as much as you want to, but give us some of your backstory. How did you get started down this crazy journey and how did you end up where you are today?
0: Oh boy. Let's see. Well, you, you already led on to some of it that I am a, a non-practicing attorney. I'm still active or I guess inactive, but licensed, let's say. There and uh, when I when I quit the practice of law, I went to go work with or for Mary Kay Cosmetics as a salesperson. Oh, wow. As a, I quit the practice of law to go to go sell cosmetics for about four and a half years. And I did very well. I had a team of about 30 people um, that I was able to recruit. I had a cars I earned. I was learning so much about presentations and training and inspiring others and all all kinds of things. It was a great, great thing. Um, and then just basically over the years, I'd gone and did a large account management, other kinds of sales roles, other leadership. I'd been in leadership the, almost beginning, like it just, it was quick. And mm-hmm. we'd just been managing people. And and then I got into customer experience, which was like, huh, it was like mm-hmm. a little different doorway. I still had a sales component, but it was really more about what is, after you bring them in, What's that experience look like? And like, what do you do to keep them happy? And that was a, that advocacy role that, that kind of went from law all the way through, it just stayed there. And so every time I was in these roles, I always, I would advocate for the customer. I always would be the voice of the customer. And then I got into a position, um still doing kind of tech and sales. And then I moved into organizational development, working for a large government here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And because I'd already been managing people and I'd been through reorgs and I'd been through mergers and layoffs. It was just a really um, in- interesting time. That's why I got my I wrote my first book there, um, mm. because the layoff that produced me going into organizational development after that was like a really big impetus for me to to move where I'm at now, to be the person I am today. Realizing that organizations just don't listen well, the the caring leadership side was not intact with most people during, especially when we look at change and so mergers, layoffs, um, re- acquisitions, uh, reorgs, like all the things that are super painful for most people at work. We just fail to do all the things we should be doing when we lead people in that role, leading them with title directly, indirectly, whatever it is. So I just knew I had to, I had to play that role. I had to be the person who either trained people or like let people know how to do that or help the organization listen to the people, um, customers and employees alike during all the change that was happening. So that's where I'm at where I'm now with my firm employee, Fanatics.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's dig a little deeper into some of your books. Now, tell us a little bit more about the first one, because that was when you were in a, a bit of a, a flux in your life, correct?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I was working a full-time job, uh, and so I'd gone through that layoff. I was working a full-time job, and it was like I was consulting as a side hustle. I was, it was getting crazy. I'm not going to lie to you. I was driving all around town trying to shut my... I have four children, so I was schlepping yeah. my kids around while like traveling for my side hustle, Done like, that working before. like I had a book, and I was like, oh my goodness, it was crazy. So... um. Yeah, so that book, The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty, I put laws in there because that was the uniqueness. Not many people doing what I do and are also former attorneys. So uh, that really just listed the seven things that that leaders can do to really create more loyalty in their people, people that look mm. to them. This, the And that was a self-published book. So mm. the second book, The Art of Caring Leadership was it was basically a spin off from the first where the first chapter on the first book was giving them good supportive managers, so that second book was the Art of Caring leadership which is kind of like modeling what does care look like, what does caring mm-hmm. leadership actually look like and i after doing lots of research with people on my podcast Leadership is heart and all of the listening I'd done over thirty thousand surveys with employees and le- listening sessions, I came up with what what those things are so' it's like nine behaviors that define what caring leadership is um Inside that book, one of the behaviors is creating a culture of listening. Mm. And because that is actually the foundation of all the work we do at Employee Finanx, helping organizations listen more effectively through culture teams and roundtables, listening sessions, surveys, any way they listen and how, what do they do about it and how should they listen more effectively. So that book is kind of like models out for people individually inside of organizations and organizations as a whole. How to listen with this five-part framework that I came up with uh, based upon all the work I've done in this space. So that's why that where the third book came from. So it's just funny how they all they all say. So now I'm just trying to. I think I know what the next the fourth book will be based upon. Okay. This so you know, nice, is, it, nice. You know.
1: Well, it's it's good that one's kind of leading into the next, to the next, to the next, and so on.
0: Yeah, it's like a story. It's like it's it, and it's organic. And most of it is because I am such a deep listener, uh, even to like the audiences I speak to. <laughs> Uh, Or if I'm doing even a listening sessions, I'm taking away and I'm I'm just like connecting. That's the lawyer thing. Like it helps me connect Mm -hmm. the dots between what are the most important concepts or the things that we really need to talk about, or where where maybe the market is not listening enough, and we need to expand on a concept. And that's where I'm able to come up with these books. So
1: gotcha. Now, now, do you find that there's a difference between I I I'm not sure what the right terminology is, but I'm going to do my best here. The maybe even just the ability of Large corporations to truly listen to their people versus small businesses listening to their people.
0: I think it depends on how what they're intended. I mean, okay. you could you could one could argue that it's smaller, so it's easiest easier to get the people and keep a pulse on the people. One could argue that. I would also argue this: being an entrepreneur myself, is that we get so even busier because there's no infrastructure to support. So we are so so busy as entrepreneurs, uh, small companies. That we might get so either deep into the weeds, too overextended more than most because there's nobody else to give it to, that we don't yeah. take the time to pause and to really kind of lean in and, and listen deeply. And even though we might recognize we need to, we have no time to do it because there's just nobody else to give the other stuff to. So I would argue that we could do it both ways, but it's all about our, our intention. It's about the framework and the process we use to do it. It's about how we track for success uh, and just how important it is to us, really.
1: Okay. So y- you'll get no argument here that active listening is important. I think everyone who's watching and listening to this can agree with that. But I want, I want to drill down a little bit on that idea of active listening. So first of all, if you could give us a definition of what active, lifen- active listening is. And then secondly, once we know what it is, how do we implement, implement that in our personal lives, as well as in our business?
0: Well, I mean, I, I say that active listening really is a difference between thinking that we know what people and knowing what people want. Oh. And it's what we do in between that creates, that actually bridges that gap. And so the framework that I put together, it's five steps. I'm going to go over very quickly. Uh, fills in gaps where, where we currently think active listening is, but it's actually passive listening. So hmm. we kind of think active listening is this thing now where We are, we're either face to face, like let's say right here and someone's talking, we're shaking our head and we're repeating back what the other person says. And we might laugh or giggle if they say something that's funny or not. And that's what we think active listening is. Now that is, that, that is reflective listening, which is a component of active, but it's not the only thing that is kind of the receiver way of looking at listening. So it's like, I'm receiving it. Yeah. I'm going back and forth. There's like a tennis match happening but it's not taking it any further. So active listening has a component where before we even get to that point where we're doing the tennis pad, tennis match of like having a conversation, shaking our head, reflecting back what we heard, we're recognizing something that's happening. I call it recognizing the unsaid, recognizing what might be happening around us before words are ever spoken. Hmm. So we're sensing maybe cultural changes, we're sensing mood changes, we're sensing just mental changes as it relates to workplace and productivity, and what's happening to other people. So that's recognizing it as the first step. Then that seeking part where the reflective happening happens is there. That next step is what I call decoding, which is taking that time to reflect. Because what often happens is we hear it, we feel it, we think we need to act on it like right away. Most of us, we're like, oh, if they think, in order for them to think, in order for us, for them to know we heard them, we need to act quickly. Mm -hmm. And in urgent situations, of course, life, death, like the building's burning down. Of course, that is the case. But in most cases, like 80% of the time, it's not that. So the the, the decoding phase says, have you taken time to reflect? Have you taken time to research? Have you taken time to bring other people into the fold of the conversation, of the request, of the concern, so that you aren't having a limited viewpoint when you go take it? And then that next step is action. But you don't do the action until you've decoded, because when you take that time to decode, people then know... Oh. Really kind of important. They're taking time to like think about this, to research this. They're not just jumping into a knee-jerk reaction. So I'm sending these people a sign in, in their minds that I'm more important than I actually thought I was to them. Yep. The action is important because we didn't connect the dots between what we what we heard and, and what they expect us to do about it. So we do need to do some kind of action. We don't need to act every single time. Nope. And then that last step is closing the loop. And the closing the loop really is how do we, after we've done all these things, How do we really ensure that someone knows we've heard them? And we do that by connecting the dots, closing the loop on what we've done for them or intend to do for them. So we go back to them and say something like, "Um, oh, gosh, John, that feedback you gave us, I went and did some research and I spoke to my leadership team and I even talked to other customers. You were right. In fact, that problem was even bigger than you told us. And I apologize, but I am thankful for you for helping us get better. And here's what we intend to do about it blank, blank, Like I'm going to check back in with you with like in a month or two to see how you think that's going. But I want to let you know, I really appreciate your feedback. Okay. That's closing the loop. None of us did. It's like 90% of us fail to do that step. And when we fail yeah. to that step, it leaves people guessing, going, "Hmm." I asked them to do the thing. I think they did the thing based upon what I said, but I'm not sure if it was me, but I think I see it versus if I close the loop. I know it was my voice. Mm. I know it was me. Now I feel valued by you. See the difference? I so do. that's really what, that's what active listening is. It takes it from this place where we think is active, but it's actually passive. And it gets you from the point of thinking, you know what someone wants from actually wanting to know what they, knowing what they want.
1: Oh, Heather, that is so good. And you summarized it so well. Oh, thank uh, you. you. Folks, you hear me say this all the time on the podcast, but it bears repeating. This may be a good time to pause, write some notes down. Or if you're in the car or on a run and you can't, come back to it again. Write notes down. This is why I bring you fabulous guests like Heather, because she is bringing it to you today. It is, If I could be writing notes, I would. I can tell you that. But what I will do after this is I will be writing notes down. Everything she just said about active listening, I'm going to be putting that down and figuring out ways to begin to implement that, especially the last one, closing the loop. That one's huge. Yeah, most huge. of us,
0: that's big. That's like 90% oh of us don't do it. Decoding is... Another one, as I say, the two that the most people don't do is the decoding and the um, closing the loop. But closing the loop is like, yes, we have problems. So luckily, the good thing is that between all the resources I give, oh my gosh, there's tons of resources that'll just, between the book and just all the things after that, right? There'll be so many that you will know exactly how to close the loop and we're all set. <laughs> well,
1: good. I Man, I, just, I cannot wait to get a hold of that book. And it doesn't even come
0: out until April. It comes out April 25th, so we have some time, but you can go pre-order like right now. Like go to The Art of Active Listening right on Amazon, just pre-order your copy. And as soon as that thing hits that week of April 25th, you will be getting it. But at least you know it's done and it's checked off your list.
1: That's right. That's right. Folks, another thing that
0: I know that will help Heather, and I I don't say this
1: as often enough as I should, especially for the authors I have on the show, but I'm going to do this for Heather right now. Once you get your copy of The Art of Active Listening, read it immediately give her a review right away now it would be most helpful if you did the review on both amazon and goodread both Mm. of those those help tremendously it long story short has to do with algorithms and it boosts people's ability to be able to see the book and to prompt them to purchase and that sort of thing so it will help tremendously as many as she can get ahead of time is so helpful so please do that
0: Absolutely. And I would say, like, for those who are listening, we're like, oh my gosh, is this a dang sale? Like, is she trying? To, is this a sale show? Well, of course, I want to sell books. I mean, that's like a big thing. This whole thing about books and this whole thing about podcasts and speaking and all the things. It, how do I, I, I think to myself, how do I evangelize these messages? And I do call it evangelization because I do think I'm called to be the person who delivers these messages to people out there in the world. <laughs> but how do I expand that? How do I expand the um, purview of the message in a way? Because they mm-hmm. can't be in all places. And so, I mean, people are posting all the time on social going, look at this art of and Leadership. I'm reading this. Oh, my gosh. And then they post without me even knowing the people. And that mm-hmm. I, this is just one more way to do it. Just like with you, with your podcast. It's one more way to get your messages out about yeah. that importance of relationships and the connection to anything else you want at work. So
1: I love it. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Whatever we can do to support you, Heather, that's one of the reasons why we're here.
0: Appreciate it, John.
1: So we're here to help. All right. So. You were an attorney. What, what was your specialty, by the way?
0: I was just a general litigation. So it was just just a general practice that had focused okay. on litigation. Yeah, gotcha. I only gotcha. practiced for two years. Uh, okay, it was one of those things where I just felt myself like, like I felt like I was withering at the vine, and I wow. went into that. I remember going to a chamber of and meeting this Mary Kay direct, like executive director, and. She was just, uh, everybody around her was always so happy and she was so put together. And I thought, oh my gosh, Like, I, because I was feeling like not happy and not put together, right? And mm-hmm. I could go there and sell like anything to anybody when it came to the, the law, but it was like then like going back, doing the research. It was just mm-hmm. enough, enough. Oh, and as you, and if anybody, if you, if whoever's out there now, if you start following me, you'll know I'm all about heart, all about care, all about relationships, all about listening. Like that's just who I am. It is, I'm not, I'm not going to ever um, apologize for it. It's just who I am. And so when you think about lawyers, we, you know, often we aren't as pedigreed to be like heart based people, right? I'm not saying yeah, there aren't well, any. Yeah. I'm not saying there aren't any. Okay. I'm just saying it's just not, we are all about like, how are we winning this thing? Right. Yeah. How do we win this thing? Whatever it is, a transaction or whatever. So in this case, I'm always trying to figure out, I'm more a mediator. So I'm like, I want to figure out hmm. how we both feel like we've won in life. And that's really yeah. what I'm setting out to do.
1: Okay. I get that. So you, you're doing that. And you decide that's not for you. Two years is actually, that's pretty quick to figure that out. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Now, I, I have to ask because what I do now is different than the field that I went into. Not unlike you. Do you feel like if you had it to do over again, would you go into the law?
0: Mm, no. I mean, I have regrets here and there because people often, like most people in my circle were, were thinking I was going to be like a Supreme Court justice or something. Like the folks wow. that I was in law school with. Um I think that had more to do with my presence, my presence, my posture, and my level of comfort with speaking. And that makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense because that's exactly why I'm a speaker now. Um, You know what I mean? It kind of, it just, it makes a lot of sense. I think that's why. I think also, um, I remember doing a mock trial and I remember they all give you feedback. So it was like 1st year law student and then they bring in all these like district attorneys and PD's name, they would come in and talk to you about your presentation about what well, you should change to be more trustworthy. Mm. And I remember my feedback was like, trust is not your issue. Like, you are, I would trust if you told me this guy was following Heather, I would trust you. Like, that was the feedback overarchingly. Mm-hmm. I had to do some other little funny things, like with my hands. I talk a lot with my hands. They were like, you know, put your hands, like they would, you know, that kind of thing <laughs> they would tell me about. But the trust part was always something that, um, it, it, it's a strength. And I don't take it for granted because there's been times in my life where I have taken it for granted where I've actually. I knew that I, people would trust me and maybe I would go over into the place where I shouldn't. I wouldn't say quite the dark side, but in the gray area. Yeah. And so I realized that that is a gift I don't take for granted. I utilize it for the betterment of all. And that's what I do now. But you know, you just you go there. So yeah, it's just interesting. So I, I think the trust part, the, the fact that people trusted me is why they thought I'd be a, like a justice. They, they The posture, the presence, and they just kind of like I'm going to advocate, which is what I do now. Like I do all those things. I advocate for boys, voice. I advocate, you know, for the yeah. voiceless. list. I still do that. It's so funny.
1: You know, it's interesting that you pointed out the hands thing and the feedback you got from them that you were essentially tell me if, if I misinterpreted, but I think I got it. That you were using them too much. Yes. Okay. I but still see, do. But but that's but that's what one of the things that attracts viewers and listeners to speakers is their presence on stage. Yeah. And the best speakers they move, move their bodies around the stage and they're demonstrative. You have to be. That's how how we connect. I say we, because I've been speaking for over 30 years. So I understand. I mean, that's
0: how we connect with people. But it's with more Uh, intention. Like I'm what I'm learning now, just a few years into doing this more, a little bit more full time, let's say, Mm -hmm. is uh, there's a level of intentionality to it. And I am learning that at certain points, it's okay to stand in your shoes and stay still as you deliver the message. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for me because I am a mover. (laughs) As I just said, like that's from way back when it goes back. I'm a mover. I am Demonstrative is never an issue for me. It's trying to get (laughs) me to not be as demonstrative, to actually sit and calm and to like, that's my issue. So (laughs) my coaches normally are like, yeah, energy is not your issue. It's not what I'm going to coach you on. That's not what's happening here. But they'll be like, what I'm going to coach you to do is to pause and then just look around and just stand or pause and say the thing and not mm-hmm. shifty and movie. So that's my, that's a big challenge for me. It's so funny how it still, re- you know, rears its head right now, 20 <laughs> <some> years later.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to do, uh, when I speak it as a way, because I realize not everyone is an auditory learner. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to help people with, uh, what I call totems. And so, I like to give the audience something as a way to remember what it was that when they go back and it didn't have to be anything big. That's yeah. but yep. when they look at it, it triggers something. They remember, mm-hmm. oh, John was here and he was talking about da da. Yeah. You know, that help helping it to stick.
0: Yes. Better. I love that. Yeah, that's great. I'm just, I'm doing more of that playing around with that, particularly on this listening talk. Listening one is one you could be you could be it could be really fun. And so I'm just trying to get better at like, how do I, make, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a fun person. I'm not saying I'm a boring person. I'm just, you know, the fun, like creative stuff that people do. So I'm just trying to do more and more on that, about the, around the listening front, uh, callbacks, things like that. Mm. Uh, so that, like you said, people will remember it. They'll never forget that one line. They'll always, re- you know, that kind of thing. Oh so, yeah. Yeah.
1: I get that. So of the three books that you've written, which would you say is like, if you, if you could only recommend one book to people. I know That's it's not fair, but you've written more than one. So, you know, you're on the spot. You don't have much time. Somebody's like, look, I've got
0: like 30 seconds with you. I want to read one of your books. Which one should I read? I would say that if it's somebody who's leading a team actively, that the art of caring leadership would be the one for them, uh, uh, really more specifically, because it really is meant for those. Even though it could be anybody that I've actually delivered that talk to audiences that weren't managers, that would be the, probably the one. The Art of Active Listening applies to everybody at work. So I made this book more expansive purposely. I wanted it to be where not just people who had titles read it, but that everybody at work felt like they had a responsibility to listen more effectively in the way that I'm instructing them to do, moving it from passive to truly active. Um, so The Art of Active Listening, I think, you know, I think people should get on their shelves and they'll be able to use it not just at work, but obviously they can use all the concepts There's stories in there, but my own family. So there's some personal things in there. There's mm. some professional things and. This one, this book. So this is the other thing I would say. If you're someone who's like research, like lots of like research, like you wonder, Art of Care and Leadership ha- is founded on like about 90 interviews on my podcast. And so that one has like has feels, it has a lot more voices in it. Lots and lots of other voices in it. Mm-hmm. This book is mostly me with obviously bits and bits of my personal history and research on listening in there. So that's, those are just, that would help people make a decision, I think. Okay,
1: great. TEDx Talks. I mean- it's tough to get one.
0: You've had two. Yeah, yeah. H- how did those come about? Uh, I would say that you, they're in a local market. I learned, I am what, what I would consider a master tactician. So I bring people around me who are more strategic and I am the master at tactics. There's not going to be hardly any of anybody else that's going to be first above me on that. And so <laughs> I knew... Uh, that in order to, you know, I tried for a bigger market, the bigger market didn't go. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to keep getting no's. And so how do I do this? And so I I went around the obstacle and decided to go more local market. So I did a Colorado yeah. Springs while I'm in Colorado. I didn't do Denver. Um, then, then somebody who was on the board of the Colorado Springs one ended up starting her own in Manitou Springs. And she reached out to me oh. and said, would you would you apply? Nice. So that's how the second one happened. Uh, I told my team to smack me about 25 times if I say I'm going to do a TEDx again um unless it's actually <laughs> ted.com like ted themselves not a submarket oh. um coming to me okay. if they come to me i will do it other than that they told them to smack me do something to me that <laughs> makes me not do another tedx the lot right. of work
1: now is that the only reason just because it's so much work it's a
0: lot of work <laughs> and the other thing is that with the submarket when it's not ted you don't have a guarantee that the stage is going to be beautiful that the video is going to turn out well and so my last oh. ted talk while the i think the delivery was pretty stellar Mm -hmm. um the video the like it just the it was mostly the video just the quality wasn't great I even had to like pay my own people to try to fix it and then they offered to let me come back a second time and when you're a busy entrepreneur you just you gotta have one shot and you gotta get it done I don't have time to go back and do a second recording and so I would say just it's unless you get like a really big market that you know produces amazing video content it's just Mm -hmm. you gotta be really careful and so
1: yeah
0: well, I love that last talk itself. I feel so bad that the the quality isn't as good Now, the first video. Um, that they, they had a really good videographer. I felt like they did a really good job both times. I feel like actually the delivery, to be honest, was probably stronger the second time. But because the stage was so much more much, much more lofty, and the video was great, it felt felt more formal.
1: Sure, sure, so, I get yeah. that. I yeah. get that. The podcast. What made you decide to start it? Because everybody's reason is different.
0: Um, I started it because I I had already I I think I it was. Um, i done the book and I knew I wanted to do another book. And I'm like, well, this would be two things. It's like, it'd be a good way to just do research. I'd be talking to all these people that would be people would go in the book. I didn't actually, I didn't even think about them in the book, actually. When I first started, I just said, I wanted to talk to these people because I thought it'd be good to just like talk to these people and share and talk to more people who are about caring leadership and like leading with heart. It was already my thing. So let's just talk more about it. I -hmm. get to episode 25 of that podcast and I'm like, these people are super brilliant. Like, (laughs) <laughs> like, I have got to get this because a lot of people don't listen to podcasts. I'm like, I got to figure out how I can get people who don't listen to podcasts to f- somehow consume this. And that's when I decided to hmm. do the book for the, those who read books who don't actually listen to podcasts. And I do right. want to say, too, even right. going back to the TEDx, you know, um, when you're doing those TEDx's, it doesn't it doesn't mean that the people who are uh, are the leadership team, it doesn't mean they don't have like a big heart and they aren't trying to put on. Sometimes it's just like a matter of resources. So I would just say, like, do your right. research to make sure that they have the resources they need to produce it Right. And I would say like with my podcast, like I don't do nearly as good a job as you do. I mean, the <laughs> conversations are amazing. We try to put some stuff in, but there's some things you do that are really intentional, which I love. I may or may, may not do. I be, it It is one more thing because it's one more piece of content that evangelizes the message and it goes worldwide. Right. So it's mm-hmm. less about formalities of me and it's more about who's learning from the interaction. And yeah. that's just, that's pretty much the gist. For that.
1: sure. For sure. You know, uh, by the way, thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot, Uh, especially coming from someone who does it. So you understand the work that goes into it. You know, it can be, it can be frustrating when you're the guest on someone else's show who clearly doesn't put the work in, Yeah, you know, and you're like feeling like you're having to carry it.
0: Yeah, Ooh, I hope you've probably because...
1: done that before as a guest. You've had to yeah. carry the whole thing.
0: I don't that I've never had to do that. I've been pretty fortunate and I'm hoping well, good to for you. My show to I have away either. But <laughs> I think I, because for me, I have kind of a set of uh, standard questions. And then if I if they say something, then it allows me to personalize it that goes off. So it's kind of an organic thing. But that is also yeah. my style. My style yeah. tends to be let me let's go here and then let's see how it goes ish. And so that makes some people uncomfortable. But I do have like sets of questions that they know I'll be asking.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, for sure.
0: And how long have you been doing the podcast? Early 2018. Oh, wow. You've been doing it a while. I have. Got lots of episodes. The Leadership is Hard podcast. Yep. That's fantastic. Again,
1: folks, all the things that we're talking about in here, the books we're referencing, uh, Heather's TEDx talks, all that stuff will be in the show notes. You guys can go and check out nice. all the stuff she's done that she's into. Uh, because as you guys know, I'm all about promoting our guests because they are the heroes in the story. So that's what we're doing. Well, not just today, I, but always.
0: And I, I'm i going to tell you, I don't know how comfortable I feel being the hero. Like, I do believe in evangelizing message, but I want to spread the message of other people being heroes, which is why I started I, like the podcast to me is like I'm yeah. talking to leaders who are they have more emotional intelligence. Are they perfect? No. And that's why I, I make sure they peel off for us the time when they weren't so great, uh, because that's important to know. So I don't know. I don't the he- hero of a. I feel more comfortable working with people who then they can be the hero. But in the end, like it does feel good to say, you know, you had a hand in, for example, cultural transformation. Mm-hmm. It's good to know you had a hand in it, knowing that you were not the end all be all. Well, since you happened to bring the subject up, let's talk about that. Tell me about a time when you failed big and what kind of change did that lead to? Okay, this is going to be kind of a really embarrassing one, but this is probably, let's see, probably like, let's just say 20 years ago. I don't know exactly when, but it's embarrassing. Okay. So, I was working as a in a in a kind of a part time role uh, it was a, no it was full time role, but it was like temporary like a nine month position for this government agency and I was leading kind of a big effort and it was bringing all these people together and I happened to be like I was communicating via email with someone that was a member of a group that I was already supposed to be communicating with on a consistent basis and I thought I was communicating with just that one person, but it went out to the entire group and I happened to be talking about someone in that group, not like bad words or anything, but just like In a way that wasn't the best. Well, Mm. let me just put it that way. Let me just put it this way. That temporary role was exactly what that was. A temporary did not transition (laughs) to a full-time role, which it could have (laughs) if I just not. So someone told me, and and that was 20 years ago, that you make sure that you never put something in email that you wouldn't mind being on the front of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. I learned that I learned, and it was like I, and it was like it was wasn't like the per the per I needed I should have spoken directly to the person which I did so I spoke directly to the person, but then someone else in the group mentioned something and I talked to them, but instead of like emailing them directly, I looped everybody in stupid, stupid because you know we do the reply all or the reply only, yeah. but the message or the whole end of thing was if you don't feel like it could be something that you'd be comfortable being on the front of the Wall Street Journal, do not put it in an email so I you asked me I, that was a big I do part that's great advice I love that um.
1: We talk about relationships all the time on this show and how important they are. With that thought in mind, tell us what you're doing right now to build into, to make better, to improve your most significant relationships at home and what impact do those relationships have on your business?
0: Oh gosh, people, are, so, so let me answer I'm ask, answer the last part and then go to the front part. So I have four kids, I'm married and I have crazy, like very productive business life. Let me just put it to you. That way. So there's travel and there's other things, right? For so sure. my husband is like big rock. And of course I have a son who's like, he's driving, he's a driver. So I mm. try to like spend time, spend time listening, spend time with just them one-on-one. One of the kids, the, the older child, like when we come back, my husband and I will go away every quarter together on our little, like what he calls them mini moons was his idea to do the mini moons to kind of keep the relationship going mm. outside of the kids we have going in and, um, when we do that, that older kid is driving the other kid the other two kids when in college, so the other two kids, and then when we come back, he always gets something like a hundred and fifty dollar gift card or we we give him a gift card, and we I take him to something, but he oh. values my time he values like mama time just uh-huh. with mama. so I know like go even just going in the room and like close no boys, get out of here, and I just like talk to him, and we like I lay down, and he's in his chair and we just talk or so i i really ha- i know i I really pick up on each of the kiddos wants i have one kid who just is like me he loves to talk he's had a high <laughs> verbal acuity and so he and i will talk people into the ground like the other people everybody else in the house is like can you guys stop talking because he loves to talk so much and i don't mind him talking and we just are like <laughs> so there's that and then there's another kid who just likes to like cuddle and watch a show and so i just knowing oh. what each of them wants to do i do that oh. and, uh, to maintain a relationship i would say that's the biggest one are the, the things that i do Okay, and Heather style, I forgot the very first question, but I think I answered all of them at one at one time. No, <laughs> you did, actually. You did
1: did very well. <laughs> and 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 because you're building into those relationships, that gives you the freedom yep. to be able to do the things you need to do in your business.
0: Yeah, rock solid like my, like I said, the, my, I always say people say how do you do it? I'm like I have a really strong really, like my husband's amazing and I have that support network where my son is, mm. he, does, he knows he's going to have to do the driving when we do this or I'm doing this.
1: Yeah. Well, I For those of you who are watching this, you know, always behind me, I have my family. Always close to me, behind me, my son and my two daughters. Uh, And you also know that there is a person missing from all of these pictures. That is my ex-wife. We've been divorced for nearly 13 years now. And Heather, my divorce was completely preventable by doing some things that I just heard you say that your husband is doing. So props to him. Seriously, oh, yeah. I can't say that strongly enough. The absolute best thing that you can do for your kids is to demonstrate to them what a healthy, loving marriage looks like. That is the best thing you can do, without yeah. a doubt.
0: Well, we work hard at It is not easy in a... No. But particularly as I'm more of like a type A and I'm always on. And he's just like, can we shut it down? So those things cause little <laughs> burst outbursts. Just gonna admit it there. I didn't ever, never said my journey was one of perfection. Never said that at all. Have you found anyone who that uh, I mean, you know. I, I think you know. There's this whole thing on social media. I think people, you know, I get people tell me all the time how much they think I am just like the bomb or have all my stuff together, and it's like you know, I, I. Here's what I would admit to: that I'm very good at marketing. Like my team is, we have a very strong marketing uh, thing going on, mm-hmm. and so while I'm not saying I'm fail, like like I'm not doing well in my professional journey, I would not say that. Like everything is just like this perfect thing. And then my family is just, and my kids smile in the pictures, but they also have some grunts. And there's some people I like, you better smile. Like I'm telling them to smile, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's, this is not like, yeah, like uh, still white with like birch chirping. Like I, it's just not that kind of life. but I think people, w- w- that's why you're hearing about mental health and suicide and all kinds mm-hmm. of things, because people are taking out of context what they see on a screen, not understanding that, like, you know, like right now I'm, I really need a nap. <laughs> 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 And I think that's the key is like just understanding that people are living a real life. And um, while while I have kudos to just the entire inner workings of the employee fanatics team, it, in the end, I also want people to know that there's plenty of struggle, that like perfection does not exist in the, in this, in the circle that Heather stands in and, mm-hmm. um, and that it's a journey. It's a journey for me, too. So. Who's investing in you, right? Hmm. That really good question. <sighs> I say I have a straw. I am a the president of NSA Colorado, National Speakers Association Colorado. Colorado. Mm. I think I feel like they do. My team probably goes way over and above. So I think they invest in me. Of mm. course, my family invests in me. I mean, gosh, yeah, they have to. Yeah. Like I had last night, I have kiddo, one kiddo. He's 15 and he's been just cooking since he was seven. Oh, wow. And he came, He just said, mom, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like make the beef. I'm going to turn it into roast beef sandwiches. I said, okay, when dad comes home and they come home, I'm going to make sure I make one for them. Like he just automatically like sets up a process to cook for the family and stuff like that. And he's been doing it since he was seven. I mean seriously, so literally. So I feel like that's an investment because he knows mommy can't do it all. I'm like I'm on my computer doing work and he just someone's got to do it. And so he does. So I, <laughs> I feel like everybody, you know, we all are kind of investing in one another. Yeah, you know, it feels good. Okay.
1: Now, how do you invest in yourself?
0: I uh, have a mostly good routine. In the morning, I get up uh, a cadence of doing my, kind of my workout and you know, eating the breakfast I choose and it's usually fairly healthy. But it's my thing. Like it's just the thing I do and I do it my way. Um, I have a coach, a business coach that okay. I talk to a couple of day, every, every couple of weeks to make sure that we stay on track, that, you know, they, they kind of help me level set, keep focused, things like that. I do a professional development a few times a year. So I go to either masterminds or go to conferences. I, I, I think hmm. I do a fairly good job of taking care of me. I would have to say, um, making sure I get a little bit, a little bit more sleep. I'm not too bad with sleep. I'm decent with sleep. I get anywhere from six and a half to eight a night. So it's not like I'm like doing three hours a night to sleep. Yeah, right. Um, but I need more like seven and a half to eight and a half. I'm one of those people who needs more. I need to do more of that. And I would say eating less sweets. So that would be another, <laughs> this would be two improvements I need to work on. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I get
1: that. What would you say are the best and worst parts of your job?
0: I don't like detail work. So like I'm working on something right now, some cool things that will happen in the third quarter that are detail oriented, that really require my brain power, which is why I quit, I quit the practice of law. Lots of detail work right? Yes, that's true. The thing that I love about my job the most, um, is that I get to fully express me all day in many contexts. Okay. That's pretty much it. Yeah.
1: I like that. Now, what would you say is your number one daily habit? And if you can't limit it to one, can you give me a top three?
0: Number one daily habit. Well, I mean, I think making sure that I do something like from a help eat ingest, putting something in. So I would say the number one is probably water. Okay. Uh, and when don't I you? don't do that, I feel like I fail miserably in lots of other areas. If I don't hydrate well, it sounds mm-hmm. kind of silly, but it's true. So water. And then I would say like, again, trying to say, trying not trying to minimize sugar intake because again, it, draw, it draws down your energy. So while it gives you the yeah, temporary it up, it gives you down. Mm-hmm. And I would say just making sure I'm giving some time to the kitty poos. So I have to like make sure that I'm engaging with them in some way. That's a one-on-one way, even if it's just two minutes, each kid, yeah. like at the end of the day or something, it's just okay. them by themselves. Yeah.
1: Now, as as an aside to that last part that you mentioned with the time with the kids, what does that look like when you're on the road?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't I would say it's not necessarily as great. There's there's some who will reach out to me and be like, hey, mama, you're available. And then I'll be like, most of them call me. So I just yeah. And so I'll Mm -hmm. be like, "Uh, I'll call you in 10 minutes or yes, or not right now. So I try Mm -hmm. to. But I don't I don't I don't have that on unless it's like multiple days. I don't kind of usually call them that night if it's a one nighter. So, like, oh, okay. say goodnight. That'll usually, now, we'll usually, all will t- like, we t- I'm like a teenager. I swear, I'm 51 years old. I'm like a teenager. So, we'll text each other and be like, or I'll send a picture. Or I'll do something like that. But that's about it on, on the one-nighters. But if it's more than one night, I usually will actually call them. Like, we'll talk, each, each of them individually.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
0: And all my well, kids still call me mommy or mama. Yeah. So, the 12-year-old all the way to the 19-year-old, they all call me mommy or mama. Good <laughs> for you. <laughs>
1: Which I love. Yeah. I, would only what, I mean, my son hasn't for years. He just calls me dad. But my other two, when they're in trouble and I don't know about it yet, they call me Daddy. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> Something's wrong. Just tell me now. <laughs> it's always better to tell me up front because if I find out on my own, it will be real bad.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Oh my gosh.
1: Other than the release of the book, which is coming up in April, what do you have coming up that has you excited?
0: Well, I just released a new speaker reel that has me pretty excited. Um, because hey. it, it goes along with the. It goes along with the idea of of fully expressing who I am and being accepted for that because we all want to be be accepted for who we are and, and belong, you know. And so that video, I think the folks who did it did a really good job of properly representing the experience I offer on stages. And I think that's I'm I'm really excited about that. I would say secondarily, um, I'm really excited about a potential certification that I'll be offering. I, I will be offering it. It's just a matter of if it's this year or the beginning of next, but it'll be um Certification on two fronts. One will be organizational certification uh, to be basically known as a caring organization and how well they express that. And the second one will be leadership coaches, consultants, trainers, things like that. Folks who want to take on my active listening framework, utilize our active listening workshops. So get certified to use that with all of their clients and utilize the content for that. Again, a way we talked about before, it's a way to expand the message, to amplify it, all over the place without me having to be there to do it yeah for sure i'm excited about that too
1: yeah well folks for those of you who are watching you may have seen my eyes light up when she (laughs) said that there at the end because that got my brain going i'm like okay how can i partner with heather how can how can i help her not only make this happen but how can we make john better so (laughs) love it that's this kind of stuff that goes through my head so (laughs) very cool oh heather i I have a hard time going to sleep at night because I can't hardly shut my brain off. Yeah. Seriously. It is constantly going. Uh, an example, I mean, this it's the entrepreneur in me. I, I have ideas for businesses every day. I, in the last five years, I've given away low estimation, $25 million worth of ideas. I mean, for a variety of reasons. One is it it's just, it's not, they were never meant for me. I was just a conduit. That's it. Yep. God gives it to me. I pass it on. That's my job. I just pass it on. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's my brain's constantly going. So when One, I hear something like that, I'm like, mm, okay, Johnny, go that. Sounds good.
0: that. <laughs> Tell it to make sure that you talk to Heather about that later. And so luckily what we're doing is when it comes to the book, at the back of the book, we offer um, active listening workshops for teens. It's a wait list. Mm. And I'm testing the certification on the leadership coaches consultant side by how many people join the waitlist for those workshops. Oh, okay. Because I will not be delivering those workshops. I have all the content created. I have that the slides. Sense. I have all the stuff, the facilitator guide. So other people will be delivering those workshops um, with with just the the you know the the whole copy and the content stuff that I've created. So yeah, uh-huh. so that's going to be good because once we see what that's like, I'll know how much uh, how many uh, consultants and coaches I need to get certified.
1: Nice. Very nice. What would you say is the best way for folks to connect with you?
0: I would say um, two ways. One would be just go to LinkedIn and look up Heather Younger, and voila. That's my biggest platform. I would say that's probably the best place to go if you want to just see me a lot and find um, HeatherYounger.com is my um, speaking website. And that's kind of an easy thing to remember. I have a consulting side too, but you can get there through HeatherYounger.com. So just like it sounds like HeatherYounger.com or like it is on the screen, I would say it would be, be the best way to go.
1: Okay. Great. Well, we're getting close to wrap-up time. Is there anything that you want to be sure that the audience hears from you?
0: I would say let's all just stop looking for someone else to make us show up in one way or another, but let's just choose to show up with people that are show up with more care for others, show up with more with better listening to other people. I know that we can own that in our own circle. Um, that we we just don't need to blame someone or wait for someone to give us permission to be those people, but to just show up with more care concern um attention and listening for other people
1: perfect perfect now folks you know that i can't get through an interview with an author without doing this so here it comes heather doesn't know this yet so this is coming the first person who hears this episode uh takes their handy dandy phone out clicks a picture of it you post it online just do it on instagram it's just easier for me if you do it that way tag me tag heather And when you do that the first person is going to get a signed copy of her book on me on me love it absolutely love it it's a great way to help spread her message it's a great way for you to get a fantastic book and tool that you can use to help you get better in your life and to be able to share that with others you know heather that's actually a practice i started about five years ago um i was i got frustrated because i'm the kind of person when i read a book i talk about it a lot and people get excited because of my excitement and they want to read it. And so I would share my book and more times than I cared to count, I would never get my book back. And it would drive me crazy. And I'm yeah. like, I want my book back, but you can't be the rude guy who asked for the book back. So I don't know why it took me so long, but I, I had this epiphany one day. It just, it's like, oh, it hit me. It's like, start buying two books every time. One you oh, keep, one you give away. Mm. It's I love simple. It. Yeah, that's smart. And the really cool thing is that many times what happens with those books is they get passed multiple times. So far, since I've been doing that, I, I know of one book that's been passed a minimum of seven times. Wow. And
0: made it halfway around the world. That's cool. Yeah. Very that cool. That is amazing. Ooh. To me. Well, my last book was translated into Japanese and um, it maybe into Portuguese here shortly. And so I'm hoping this next one, Listening, it makes total sense, should really go global and have a lot more translations. Mm -hmm. It's all in Listening. So,
1: Absolutely. Can't wait wait for that. that. So I wanted to be sure to include that before we got to our final four. That's awesome. All right. So here we go with our final four. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Here we go. Why did God create Heather? To be the voice for the voiceless. Okay. If we had more time, I would dig into that for sure. Question two, what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow?
0: Well, next month, I'll be going, actually, February, I'll be going to two different conferences, and that'll help me grow. They're two different types of conferences. Okay, gotcha. What do you do for fun? I like watching movies with the kiddos, and I like going on walks with the dog. Okay.
1: Is there a favorite um, genre of movie that you do with the kiddos?
0: If it's the kids, it tends to be like a show that's comedic. Okay. With the kids, if it's my husband, we, t- we tend to like action. Really? Okay. What's your fave? On like actions or movies? Yeah, it doesn't well, matter. My favorite, well, my favorite movie is, um, well, there's two, An Affair to Remember and Pretty Woman. Okay. Very, yeah. very different movies, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But both had that whole like love romantic thing, which is so funny. because I they wouldn't didn't. even say I'm a huge romantic, but I love those movies. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. What are you most grateful for? I'd have to say my faith. Okay. My faith. It Ouch. grounds
1: me. All right. And just as an, as an aside, as, as a bonus question, when you recommend books to people, what's your top recommended book? Who Moved My Cheese. Excellent book. Love that. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I love it. It's so short. You can read it a day and it has so much power.
1: <laughs> oh, it does. You brought this up. I don't know why I didn't ask it earlier, but I, I kind of feel compelled based upon your very last thing. The, what you told me you're most grateful for is your faith. So I, I have to ask that. What impact would you say that your faith has not only in your life, but on your business,
0: it's everything my moral compass, uh, my value system, um, what I accept, what I accept and what I don't accept, what I validate and what I don't. So I would say it's, it's just pretty much everything. It's everything. It just makes me more aware of the kind of person I am. I have to examine myself at the end of every day and evaluate how did I show up and what was my impact and because of my faith that I did that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, Heather, thank you so much for your time today. It is your most precious resource, and Mm -hmm. I don't take that lightly. So thank you for being here.
0: Thanks for having me, John. It's great. You
1: bet. Thank you to all of you for showing up today. I certainly appreciate that. You know that I do. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to be able to hear and really put into practice this particular episode. There's so much here. And remember, take those notes out. Actually physically write them down, folks. It sticks in your brain better when you do that. I promise you much, much better. So handwrite the notes out, begin to implement some of the things that Heather shared with us today and then send me some messages and let me know what a difference it's making and I'll be sure to let Heather know as well. So you guys take care. We'll talk to you next time. Bye everybody. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.